Welcome to Outbless Weekly, the four-day-a-week Bible study led by Michael Metcalf. Join us live or listen to Outbless Weekly podcast later at outbless.com. Listen as Michael teaches the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, in an easy-to-understand format as he is led by the Holy Spirit and brings the Word to life. Listeners learn how God outblessed us all by sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross to pay for our sins and how God raised him from the dead three days later. Jesus is the risen Lord and Savior and is actively working in every believer's life to outbless them today. Come and listen to the heart of a servant and be outblessed again. Well, Father God, we come before your mighty throne of grace, Lord, to say thank you for who you are and thank you for what you have done. Thank you that you made a way where there was no way and thank you, God, that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die on that cross to pay for our sins. While we were yet sinning, you sent your son and I'm just grateful, Father, for that. I'm grateful to know the truth of the word. Your word says that we will know the truth and it will set us free. So, Father, as we study your word again today, I pray that it does set us free again. I pray that you would reprogram, God, the way that we think, the truths that we understand, and as a result, Lord, that you would set up a firm foundation for us, Lord, to build the rest of our lives on. And I just want to say thank you in advance, Holy Spirit, that you would be the teacher today and not me. And so thank you, Lord. You're welcome here. We love you, Lord. We ask that you forgive us again for our sins. We thank you that your grace and your mercy is brand new every morning. And so we drink it in even now, and we ask, Lord God, that you teach us now and encourage us now from your word. And so as we read it, I pray that it will not come back void, but instead it will have the full impact for which you intended on every one of us listening now. And so we give you this time and we thank you all in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to study 2 Corinthians chapter 3 today. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The title of this message is God Makes Our Face to Shine. I love that title. God Makes Our Face to Shine. You want a shiny face? You want a happy face? It's God who can make that happen. And we're going to learn how. Let's dig in now in chapter 3. He said, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, question mark? Or do we need as some letters of commendation to you or from you, question mark? You are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Wow, what a beautiful introductory paragraph that we just read. And so Paul begins this section by asking a couple rhetorical questions. The first one, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? The answer is, of course not. It's a rhetorical question. Or the second one, or do we need as some letters of commendation to you or from you? Of course not. He doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. This is the Apostle Paul. Everyone knows who he is. Paul's making the point that he doesn't need any letters or any man-made proof. 
And as he looks out at these believers who are believing in Jesus, uh, probably as a result of his ministry, he said, you are the letter written on our hearts and known and read by all men. In other words, you could see the results. When somebody truly gives their heart to the Lord, they start talking differently. They start walking differently. They start acting differently. At least they should. And hopefully if there's been a conversion and you've turned from your sinful ways and you've turned your life and your heart towards the living God, it should be evident by the people who interact with you. There should be a certain degree of love and patience and wisdom and humility that comes out in your voice that is observable by people who see you and meet you and interact with you. It's people who truly get born again that you can see these results. You can see there's something different about them. And that, when that happens, it's known and read by all men. Everyone can see it. In other words, it's obvious. And so being manifested that you are a letter of Christ. And I think that's a really interesting thing. What does it mean to be manifested? Well, I looked that up in the Strong's Concordance to make manifest or visible or known what has been hidden or unknown. To manifest by, uh, whether by words or deeds or in any way, to make actual and visible realized, to make known by teaching, to become manifest, be made known of a person, expose a view, make manifest, or to show oneself or to appear, to become known, to be plainly recognized, thoroughly understood who and what one is. That's what manifest means. What a great description for us. And then he said, cared for by us. Taught, discipled, encouraged, fed, prayed for, loved. Those are the ideas that are behind that word. And so this is what must go into the phone or into the phrase, cared for. How about us? What are you speaking into your phone? What are you speaking into other people's lives? I've often said to my lovely bride that what goes in the mouthpiece comes out the earpiece. You know that's true of life. And so as you pour out God's word, you speak God's word and you speak words of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and you talk about the things of God's word, the purity of it, the loveliness of it, it should, it should, you should hear those things back. They should go out and have an impact and you should hear those things coming back. But if you spoke into the mouthpiece of your phone harsh words, words of judgment or critical or, or whatever, you, you tear people down, then you're probably going to hear negative things coming back from the earpiece. And so think about just for a minute, what are the words that you're speaking into your phone or what are the words that you are speaking into other people's lives? Have we cared for our brothers and sisters in the faith? It takes time to develop these relationships. And then also I noted down in my notes, it was written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so God does the writing with the spirit and he writes on your heart. And so that's worth thinking about. What is God writing on your heart today? What is it that you woke up this morning thinking about that God wrote on your heart for you to consider? 
And let me say this, can others see it? Can others see what God wrote on your heart today to think about, to speak about, or to share? Verse four, such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God who has also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Wow, what a contrast. And so confidence that we have is through Christ toward God. And so only through Christ, not because of us. And why is that? Because of this idea of adequacy is from God who made us adequate when? When Jesus died on the cross, when you believe that and you confess that, that Jesus Christ is Lord with your mouth and then you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that act of faith, that act of confession, that act of belief in your heart is what made you adequate because of what Jesus did on the cross, not what you did, not what I did, not our track records, but the track record of Jesus Christ alone which is called a new covenant. That means a new contract. It's a new deal. It's superseded, if you would, the first contract, the law. This one was paid for by the blood of Jesus. It's a mortgage on your house paid in full. There's another verse where the Lord says that you have been bought with a price. What price? The price of Christ's blood. When he shed his perfect sinless blood on that cross for you and for me, paying for our sins, Every sin you've ever committed in the past, every sin that you've ever committed presently, every sin that you've ever committed in the future, every one of those sins has been paid for by the blood of the lamb. And so he made you adequate. You weren't, I was not, not none of us were adequate. He made us adequate. And so the letters speaking about the Old Testament, those are the, the, ten, uh, the, the, the 10 rules, if you would, the Ten Commandments, those are the letter. That's what he's referring to. He says the letter kills. Why? Because when you read that letter, you read those Ten Commandments, you realize what they say, and then you go, uh oh, I've broken some of those. And so it becomes clear. Another verse says that the Ten Commandments are our schoolmaster. In other words, now we understand what real truth is and what God's laws really are because he wrote them down for us. We could read them. And when you read those things and you compare them to you, your life or my life or our track record, then you know that you know that you blew it. And so you know that you're a sinner. You know that you're not perfect. You know you're not going to heaven. And then you become aware that you're in this desperate situation where, guess what? You need a savior and so do I. And that's why God sent Jesus down from heaven to die on that cross. But once he died on that cross and he shed his blood, he paid for your sins. He paid for my sins. And so now you've been set free from the bondage of sin. And so he says, the spirit gives life. And so you're saved by grace, not of works, lest any should boast. God fills you with his spirit. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. When? When did that happen? When you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? At that moment, you became born again. At that moment, you became a Christian, which means Christ in, Christian, 
Christ inside you. And the word of God says that God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, they come and they make their abode with you. That means they move in. They're living with you. They're in your heart. They're in your body. They're in your soul. That's the church. The church is in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what a wonderful thing God's doing. He's performing both sides of the contract. He wrote the law and then he fulfilled the law because Jesus fulfilled it for you. And so he's fulfilling both sides so you can simply enter into this new covenant by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. You get born again and you get saved and now God does all the rest of the work. He performs both sides of the contract. All you had to do is believe it. Wow, it's so simple and yet people wanna make this so complicated. And he said, your faith is then sealed. I like that. I was thinking about what does it mean that your faith is then sealed? It's like a corporate seal on a legal document. It's like they, they take out the little seal, they move it over the document, they squeeze it together, and it leaves an imprint on that legal document so that you know it's signed uh, authentic by the corporation. It's an official document. It's a done deal. And so there's this seal. There's an impression. God made an impression on your heart. It's visible. He sealed the deal and you now belong to Christ. It's a legally binding contract is the idea. Wow, what an awesome thing to consider. You've been purchased and sealed. And so now you have God's spirit in you and you're sealed. Nothing else can get in. Nothing else can take you away. You just remain in faith in Christ and what he did, and you're in. It's a done deal. You're going to heaven. Praise God. Verse seven. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. And for indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. And so this ministry of death in letters engraved on stones, that's the Ten Commandments. Moses' face was lit up for a while, remember? After he went up the mountain and he met with God and God delivered these Ten Commandments to him, his face lit up. That was glory. But Jesus' face is lit up for eternity, not temporary. His face is lit up forever. Let me read to you that uh, the account of that about Moses' face, it's back in Exodus chapter 34, uh, verses 29 through 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and they spoke to him 
And afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw his face was radiant. And then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. And so that's the picture of Moses's face gets this brilliance from his meeting with the Lord. Now let's look at the radiance of Jesus's face. We read about that in Revelation chapter 22 in the section about the river and the tree of life. Let me read that to you also. Revelation chapter 22. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. Listen now, verse four, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will no longer be any night and there will and there will not have any need of the light of a lamp nor of the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. Wow. Think about that. The face of Jesus is going to be illumined forever by God. And there's no need for the sun or the moon. In other words, Jesus's face is so bright, it's going to light up the whole world. And so this little glow that Moses had was just a little tiny bit, and it was a foreshadowing of the shining face of Jesus Christ for all eternity. Wow. Does that give you a new perspective on how God can make your face to shine? And we will all see his face. You will all see the shining face of the Lord when you meet him in heaven. What an amazing thing to look forward to. And no doubt your face will shine too after you've seen his. Back to 2 Corinthians now, chapter 3. Therefore, verse 12, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. And so this is a picture of how the law would fade away. The temporal and salvation through faith, the eternal, would take its place. Verse 14, but their minds were hardened for until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Wow, their minds were hardened. Notice that. For until this very day, even now, the Jews have a veil over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That means they can see, they can understand, they can receive Jesus into their heart. And so we repent of our sin. 
This means to turn away or to make a U-turn and head Godward toward God. And when you seek him, you will find him. And so let's look at what happened to the veil which covered the Holy of Holies back in the book of Matthew chapter 27. And then we'll come back and read the last two verses of Corinthians chapter 3. Matthew 27, starting in verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and, the coming, out of, and, and coming out of the tombs. After his resurrection, they entered the holy city and he appeared to many. And now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, truly, this was the son of God. Wow, that's what happened when Jesus died. The veil was torn from top to bottom. That thing was made out of woven wool. It was three feet thick. Imagine the strength and the power that it would take to tear a veil that was made out of woven wool that was three feet thick and it tore from top to bottom. Obviously, only God could do that. And he was making a way where there was no way because everybody had to be outside the veil. Why were they outside the veil? Because of sin. God is holy. You couldn't enter in and be next to him or near him. He's holy. And so only the high priest could go in there once a year to make an atonement for the sins of the people. But when Jesus died, he made atonement for all of us once and for all. So the veil was torn. Now you have direct access to go into the throne room of God and let your request be known. What an awesome God. What a loving father. What an incredible method that he used to pay for our sin and to grant us access back to the throne room. Praise God. So let's go back to Corinthians chapter three and we'll wrap up our study. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. And so there's liberty, that means freedom, where the spirit of the Lord is. If the Lord is in your heart, you have liberty. Liberty from what? You have freedom from sin and freedom from death. You don't need to be afraid of dying and you don't need to be afraid of being judged for your sin because your sins are forgiven. You've been set free from sin and death, all of us, by faith in Jesus Christ. But we all, this includes you and me, with unveiled face, that means no mask, beholding as in a mirror the, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. What does that mean? It means that you will be made to shine brightly just like Jesus Christ our Lord and God will make your face to shine just like Jesus' face is shining even now. Wow. God wants to give you a shiny face. God wants to give you an eternal destiny. God wants to bless you, outbless you, abundantly above all you can ask or hope or think. And Jesus is preparing a place for you and he made a promise to you and a promise to me 
that where he is, that he would come back and he would receive us to himself, that we would be with him where he is and you're gonna behold his face, face to face, the shining, glorious, wonderful face of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Praise God. Father, thank you that you will make our faces to shine. Thank you, God, for forgiving us for our sins. Thank you, God, for washing us in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, God, that you've set us free, that we have liberty. We don't need to be afraid of death. We don't need to fear sin. We believe that Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. We believe that Jesus is the Lord. We confess Jesus Christ as Lord with our mouth, God. We believe in our heart of hearts that you raised him from the dead. And therefore, God, our names are now written in the book of life. Praise you, God. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for writing our names in the book of life and assuring us, every one of us, that we're on our way there and we're on our way to get a shiny face. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Thank you for listening to Outbless Weekly, the four-day-a-week Bible study by Michael Metcalf. If this study helped you, please join us again four days a week at outbless.com. You can listen live or listen later at your convenience. And don't forget to go outbless someone else today by sharing what you have learned. May the Lord richly bless you as you continue to study and seek His face.